You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to Bear and Balance. I'm Jeff Burkus, a writer from Windy City Gridiron, and I'm joined by the boss over at Windy City Gridiron, Lester A. Wiltfong Jr. Lester, the Bears drop yet another one, this time to the Vikings at home. Um, but other than that, how was your Monday night? It was pretty good. I mean, the game itself, I got to be honest, I enjoyed the game. I thought it was kind of cool seeing the, the 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 brand new secondary out there to see, you know, the, all those young guys and Justin Fields had some moments and, you know, Tevin Jenkins looked good and I, I was fine with it. I thought it was, uh, you know, the Bears obviously got beat again. You know, the, the offense didn't put up no, nothing until the time was expired, but uh you know, I can't complain. I mean, I saw what I wanted to see. Some of the young players flash, and we all know that Nagy's on his way out. There'll be a new regime in town. So let's see the, the kids uh, make some plays. Yeah, it was a, it was an odd game because Weird. I was completely fine the whole time. Yeah. You know, I should have been totally frustrated. But I was like, wins and losses doesn't matter at this point. They don't have a first-round pick. Like, so I'm worrying about that part of it either. Um, we're, you know, we, we're just evaluating Justin Fields. It's really what we talked about all year. And we started to see some other guys that we were excited to see. And, and what does that look like? And so even when they were making mistakes, I'm like, yeah, okay. You know, it, it is what it is. That's more information that we have to process later. Uh, but just to get it over with, the Bears lose 17 to 9. Uh, they dropped a four and 10 on the year. Matt Nagy now has exactly a 500 record. If we there count those is. two playoff yeah. losses. So with three games remaining, uh, Nagy is right at 500. So we will see what happens in these last three. If he can finish his tenure as bears coach as a above 500 uh, head coach or below. Um, but there was a lot of interesting stuff that happened in this one and, and just kind of stuff to get you fired up. And, and maybe I don't want to say that, I'm going to go a little meatball at some point, but <laughs> I might, I might go a little meatball because I think we're going to talk about a guy right off the top. Um, and, and I want to kind of say something that I normally won't say, but we always start off with trench tribute. Why don't we get into that? I believe I want you to start because okay. I believe I know where you're going with this one. So yeah. Go I'm going, I'm going Tevin Jenkins, left tackle right. rookie Oklahoma state. I loved his tape in college. I was so excited when he played last week and he struggled you know, rookie offensive linemen tackles tend to struggle. You know, it's, you know, th things out there aren't happening as quickly as at guard at guard, things kind of get uh, more muddled up. He's on an Island more. And he, he had some moments last week where he looked like a rookie, but this week, yes, he had the penalties. Uh, he had three of them, but uh, I actually graded this play. I, I sent out a, a, a few, a few clips on, on Twitter as well. Plus I put something on the site, 71 total offensive snaps. I only had a negative seven plus 64, which is a 90.1%, which is, I had someone ask me, you know, where does that compare to Larry Borum? And I think I graded Borum twice this year. Neither time I had him in the nineties. He was always in the eighties. So I can't remember the last time I graded the bears lineman that was in the nineties. 
again, some of these positives is nothing special. It's him stepping play side, working at the second level, getting in the way of a guy. You know, I don't grade on a curve. I don't grade with, oh, it was a really explosive place. So What's a double plus? No, it's just, did you do your job or didn't you do your job? Kevin Jenkins did his job quite a bit on Monday night. Yeah, and, and this is why I wanted you to start off because I wanted to talk about Jenkins. And I think the most interesting thing to talk about Jenkins was, uh, well, first of all, I want to make a point. Garrett Bowles out in Denver was a laughing stock for his first couple of years because all he was doing is getting penalties, holding, holding, holding. Frustrated, yep. hold, hold, hold all the time, just super frustrated. He'd let it get to him. He'd, he'd get off his center. People were freaking out about Tevin Jenkins having penalties last week and they're throwing him up the bus. This is a rookie. He wasn't even yeah. supposed to start. He got in because of an injury, right? And now he's making his first start. He has a couple more, more penalties. Yeah, it's going to happen. The guy's playing football for the first time in quite a while. He's coming off injury. He's still rounding himself back into shape. Like, let's let's calm down. This is this is tackle we're talking about. This isn't something, this isn't running back where you yeah. just come in and know how to play the position. It's going to take some time. But the thing that I think everyone wants to talk about, and I, and I want to talk about it here, and this is why I referred to being a little meatball here, is that Tevin Jenkins drew a personal foul penalty because he got into it with some Vikings players after he took exception to what he probably considered to be a little bit of a late hit on Justin Fields out of bounds when Fields was scrambling to the right. So he got in the face, he ran over, got in the face of the guy, got in an argument, and he was ready to take on all 11 uh, purple and, and yellow jerseys. And I'm for it. Yeah, yeah. shouldn't yes. have thrown a punch, but I am for it. Because yeah. you know what? That is why they drafted Tevin Jenkins. They drafted him to bring that nastiness, to bring that attitude, and to, to change what that offensive line is all about. I'm for it. Like, I, I don't care about the wins and losses, right? So this is why I'm saying, like, there, there are times last year, like the, the throwing the punch from uh, uh, Javon Wims, you know, and Anthony Miller and all that crap. Like, oh, that pissed me off. Those were yeah. games that the Bears were in. They needed to win. Those was those were dumb mistakes. They got goaded into that. Tevin Jenkins going over and defending his quarterback, and when I when I when the win loss doesn't matter and show an attitude, I'm in. I'm in. It's apples to oranges when you talk about a wideout uh, hitting a cornerback who's talking trash to him, and when you're talking about an offensive lineman protecting his guy. I'm for it all day, every day. I mean, that's why Keith Van Horn is one of my all-time favorite Bears. I love Olin Krutz. I love the guys that play with the nasty. I love the guys that take it personal. You hit my quarterback, that pisses me off. You hit him out of bounds, that really pisses me off. And I'm going to go I'm gonna go let you know about it. And like you said, yeah, he should probably shouldn't have thrown a punch. But the Bears are, are a four-win football team. He's a rookie. He was fired up. And that sends a message through the locker room. That sends a message to Justin Fields. Don't F with my quarterback. Jermaine Effetti oh. running over to Tevin Jenkins and scolding him on national television. And you could kind of see Jenkins be like, I, what are you doing? You know, I, I don't, you know, why are you yelling at me? No, put your arm around him, pull him back to the huddle, tell him like, Hey, don't throw the punch, but you know, good job. Right. Jermaine Effetti. Sorry. Maybe he's a nice guy. Maybe his friends like him. Not the time, and the place to do that to the rookie. Just pull him aside. I didn't understand. Like when I, when I watched it live, I must have missed how how blatantly he went after Tevin Jenkins. I, I I heard about it on Twitter. I think I must have been between things. I was doing the the post game article too, so I was kind of be, between everything. But then I saw it back on Twitter later, 
And I'm like, oh my God, what a jackass for, for being that physical with this rookie. Like you said, put, put your arm around him, walk him to the side. Hey man, this is not a time and a place. You know, we're still in this game, you know, get him, you know, go after that guy later in the game, in between the lines. But he pushed him, he hit him, he pushed him to the side. He, I'm like, Tevin Jenkins, I mean, if that, if Tevin Jenkins wasn't in his first NFL start, I think he might've beat Effetti's ass at that point, because that was, that was too far from Effetti. Yeah, he probably should uh, ask Olin Kruitz what he should do with a teammate uh, that he that he doesn't agree with. I, I was just going to do like a quick diversion of an old football story, but I think it was my freshman year, and I can kind of still see the play. Uh, quarterback gets rid of the ball. I probably took two steps, but like we're going to say I took a step and I hit the quarterback. And my teammate yelled at me for having a for putting a late hit on the quarterback and turned to the official to explain to me why that was wrong, there was no flag on the play. And I'm like, Ben, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> like there's no flag, man. I, it was, it's illegal is in, in, in terms of that. That's what that was to me. <clears throat> That's what that reminded me of. I was like, dude, <laughs> like you're on my team. We'll talk about it later. We're going to have film study. Like yeah. you, you don't get to met out the punishment right now. And it, it, you know, I, anyway, that that's, I just had this like flashback when I saw it. So um, my guy for trench tribute is I, I, I got to talk about him here. I knew you were going to talk about Jenkins. So I wanted to make sure we, we had that. I want to talk about him here. Robert Quinn, man, two sacks. He's now at 16 on the year. He just, he's killing it. He's one and a half sacks away from the record uh, to tie Richard Dent, two to pass him. He's got a great chance with three teams left. Uh, he's got uh, Seattle next week. They're among the league leaders in sacks allowed. Russell Wilson always takes sacks. Yeah. He takes a lot of sacks, right? Um, you know, there, there are a lot of people that will talk about Justin Fields, Russell Wilson in kind of similar terms. And that's also the, the downside is yeah. that, you know, you, you're probably going to take some sacks, but so, so he's got a chance just in that game to take it over. The giants are kind of middle of the, the road, but I mean, <laughs> that's Mike Glennon right there too. It's Mike Glennon now. So like, <laughs> you know, Hey, uh, yeah. you know, we'll see about that. And then, um, they, they finished the year again against the Vikings who he just got two sacks against yep. the Vikings are usually pretty good about protecting Kirk cousins, but you know, he just, he just got him twice. So he really could get this thing. We've been talking about it for a long time. It's yeah. now making the national media, which is, you know, great. Um, we had it first is all I'm going to say, because we've been talking about it for a really long time. Um, but I'm really excited for him and, uh, I hope he gets it. I hope he gets it. You know, if he gets the 17 and a half, that's also an even hundred for his career, which is another oh, awesome. a real cool uh, milestone. I'm not sure if he's quite to the point where he's talking about the hall of fame, but he has what two, two pro bowls. He has three one, now you know, th three pro. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, if he gets the sack numbers up there another couple of years, maybe he's a guy that is pushing for that uh, for, for a hall of fame spot. So generally I think the, the hall of fame magic number for, for edge rushers, I don't know about magic number, but like definitely where they start getting real consideration is somewhere in the one thirties. Okay. So he would have to put together a few more good years, but maybe he can, I mean, maybe he's a guy that can um, age his body well and he can get up there and, and that would be great. I like have, yeah. have this uh, chapter of his career being Navy and orange and to see him perform well. So I'm um, really excited for him. So let's, let's move on to the, the Twitter content. What uh, tweet caught your eye this week? You know, it's, it's from next gen stats uh, at next gen stats. Um, and, and it was about Justin Fields uh, talking about how he was most effective passing downfield. He was eight of 11 passing when traveling 10 or plus air yards 
And during those, he had 120 yards and a touchdown. Um, he was also plus 23.6 of his 10, 10 plus air yards are passes over expect, which is the, uh, the POE, the, the, how much more they should have based on what, you know, the model says they have, but he's best when he's going downfield, you know, and, and for some reason, Matt Nagy wants to make him into his version of Alex Smith or his version of Andy Dalton. And it's like, you know, you have to let Justin Fields be Justin Fields. And I understand that, you know, sometimes the defense doesn't always, you know, give that to you. You got to be smart and it's some he'll learn in time, but every time that he, that he, that he pushes the ball downfield, he has these types of numbers. He needs to throw it on field more. The bears have to figure out how to let him do it. It may not happen the, the, the next three games because of Nagy laser uh, and flip, you know, the offense is just, is what it is. But next year, man, you know, in the right offense, his numbers could skyrocket. And this is why it's so interesting to see the dialogue that's out there about Justin Fields right now, because the overall numbers still aren't great. They are, they've been improving, right? Like he had, he started off really rough for a lot of reasons. And then the numbers have come up, they have improved, but what, what I, what I think is interesting is that he's in the wrong system. Like, and, yeah. and, and sometimes you can say like, well, <clears throat> this guy's in the wrong system, but like, I don't know what system he'd be good in. It's pretty clear what his skill set is. It's pretty clear what he's good at. And so that's why I've been so upset. You know, there's a lot of head coaches that I'd be interested in, in bringing in. I like Brian Dayball because he has such a pretty play action game. And, and I'd like to see Justin Fields paired with someone who understands how to use play action better, much better than Matt Nagy, right? I liked Arthur, Arthur Smith a lot last year because I, I felt like he really understood running game and, and, and how it connects to the passing game and, and had some good play action stuff. Um, so that, that's kind of what I'm looking for in a head coach, is someone who uh, is, is going to really understand how to put Justin Fields in a position to succeed. And the numbers are bearing that out. Now, I think he can improve at some of those other things. Mm -hmm. He can certainly improve at cutting down some of the negative aspects, but um, it it's really right there in front of you. It's right there in front of you of what you should build be building the ship out of, and that is play action and downfield passing. Um, but anyway, great stat. I love those charts. Yeah, those are, the those, passing the, charts. The passing yeah. charts. Some of my favorite things to look at every week. Yeah. What about you? What's what's your tweet of the week? So um, I don't know this individual, but uh, Ian Harditz, uh, <laughs> I Harditz. Do you know this? I, I do know this. That's uh, that's in my notes for my next uh, number here. But that's, oh, that's no. Good. No, it's all good. That's, all right. that's the best part. We're always in the same wavelength sometimes. That's good. That's that is good. true. That yeah. is true. So uh, his tweet, highest percentage of wide receiver routes where the player was deemed to be open. Now, this is a PFF stat. Not, you know, always in love with all of the PFF stats, you know, if my, my issue is, is it replicable? Is it something that I can, you know, find and, and do myself and replicate it? Um, a lot of that stuff, I don't feel like you can. So I think there's some subjectivity to it. So take that for what it is. It's not necessarily my favorite place to go with all their stats. Some of their stats are good. Some of them, I just question, you know, how, how replicable they are. Um, this particular stat, again, highest percentage of wide receiver routes where the player was deemed to be open, leading the league. No surprise, the Chiefs, 54% of their wide receiver routes. That's a great open. scheme, right? The, the, the Andy Reid scheme. What a Andy great Reed scheme, scheme that is. Yeah, beautiful. The apple that fell from the tree that was rotted and, and went rolled up to Chicago is the Bears at 32nd. There are 32 teams in the league. Uh, 36% of their wide receiver routes were deemed to be open. That is a huge disparity. 
That is, and, and that is what Justin Fields is working with. So again, more context to the Justin Fields numbers are, you know, wh- what are these wide receivers doing to present him open targets? And the answer is not much, the worst in the league. And I'd be interested to kind of pair that with drops because it feels like the Bears have had a lot of drops. Um, I don't know where they rank in the league, but it would be interesting to kind of use that information to continue to kind of paint the picture of what we're working with in the context of these numbers. Um, as you know, we're going to get to the point where the year is going to end. If we're going to look back on these numbers, this is an important one to keep in mind. You know, we talked about it on the show before is all the hooks, all the curls, all the stagnant routes, all the post-up style routes, those post-up style routes you're not always open. You're open because your your body's in, you know there, and, and the, the the quarterback throwing to you, and the, and the guy who's playing defense is behind you. So technically, you're open per se because you know there's a path to get the ball to you, but you're not open open. And all these stagnant rounds are a big reason why the Bears are at 36 percent right now, and it's just uh, it's just brutal. You're open if you're Brandon Marshall. You're open if you're yeah. AJ Brown. Yep. You know if you're if you're a guy that that wins with size, but the Bears built their wide receiver core out of speed, speed demons. Yeah. So what are we doing? You know, what are we doing here? All right. So I stole your thunder for your numbers. You, game. you did. That was my number, but I had a backup number. And that is okay, since, good. You talk, since you talk about the drops, um, Darnell Mooney now is up to eight drops on, on the season. Um, I, I don't know how many drops they had total in that game, but Justin Fields took a lot of flack on, on social media through some analysts. Like you said, it's weird how people like they look at a game like like I, I must have watched something different because I saw Justin Fields who was pretty accurate most of the night. I think he ended up finishing like sixty eight percent passing, and they were at least at least five or six drops at least. And and Darnell Mooney had some more. And and Darnell Mooney, if he's going to be to that point where he is going to be a true number one, that's something he has to cut down on. And and I think you know he seems like the kind of guy that will work at that. He's always going to work on his craft in the off season. And, you know, some of those were contested catches, but, but you know what, if you want to be an alpha, you want to be the number one, you can't drop eight balls a year unless you're putting up ridiculous numbers. Cause we talk about Brandon Marshall. He had a lot of drops, Yep. but, but he also was a monster with the ball in his hands and he was physical enough where he can put up, you know, 1400 yards and still have those, those 16, 15 drops. Darnell Moody's not at that point. He's a speed guy. He's a finesse guy. He's got to catch the ball. Yeah, when you when you get the volume, right? You know, yeah. you, you expect some of those those yeah. things to happen. Marsha would have those uh, lapses and focus, and you know, it is what it is. Um, all right, so I have a few numbers. So stick with me as I work through this. Uh, so my numbers are nineteen, thirty-five, and forty, which add to ninety-four. Okay, nineteen is the number of quarterback knockdowns that the Bears have this year. That ranks. 32nd in the league. 35 is the number of hurries. Hurries are defined as anytime you flush the quarterback out of the pocket or make him get rid of it faster than what his drop generally indicates. That is the second worst mark in the league. They are 31st in that. 40 is the number of sacks that the Bears have this season. That is tied for third best in the league. Okay. So 94 is pressures. You add up those three numbers. Okay. Second to last in the league. I find this fascinating. Yeah. The Bears are getting home at an incredibly high rate for their pressures. But overall, 
they don't have a lot of pressures. So they're making them count when they get them. I mean, 40 out of 94 are sacks, but they are not getting home otherwise. And I just find that really interesting. So that's, I mean, that's good that they're getting home. That's, that's why Robert Quinn has so many sacks. But overall, in, you know, as we, we transition into off-season mode, they're going to have to find a way to get more pressure on the quarterback next year. This goes back to the old Greg Blas quotes from, you know, decades ago when, when he was the old DC for Chicago, he said sacks are overrated and he took a lot of flack on, on, on uh, at the time it was, uh, it was all sports radio. There was no social media at the time, but can you imagine him making that statement now he would get you know, blasted, but his point was, you know, sometimes the hits, the knockdowns, the hurries, the pressures, you know, those are just important because those lead to, to bad throws. Those lead to interceptions, those lead to mistakes. So just, you got to get home but you got to also get pressure on there. And I'd be interested to see what the numbers were for the last couple of years in Chicago. Cause I remember that the last few years, their sack numbers weren't very high, but I, I, like, for example, a guy like uh, Leonard Floyd, he was never getting home. You know, he just couldn't get to the quarterback. Right. But whenever, whenever I went back and checked his pressure rates, they were always pretty high. So I'm curious to know how the bears have looked in the past and, and what correlation it has with what's happening this year. It's just uh, like you said, it's just one of those weird those weird, those weird uh, statistical quirks that uh, we may never have an answer for. Yeah, Pernell McPhee was a guy that I think did pretty well at yeah. pressuring Freshers, the quarterback, yeah. but could never get home, it seemed like. Anyway, maybe I'm wrong. It, it just totally just off of memory there. I just thought it was interesting. I, I, I came across it, and I was like, man, that is so odd. I don't know that I've seen anything like that, uh, where you're – among the worst in the league for pressuring the quarterback, but you're among the best for taking them down. Uh, so I find that to be pretty interesting, but all right, well, let's take a quick break. And on the other side of this, we are going to get into the three bears. So stick with us. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience, because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, let's throw it back. So let's get into the three bears. So I think there's some actually some interesting candidates here, um, but I know I, I have to be just completely positive that we are both handing the same hot bowl of porridge to the same player. Would it be a rookie uh, sixth round draft pick, Thomas Graham Jr.? Making his first start? Yes, Making it, it Yeah, seven tackles, three passes defended. You know, the numbers look nice. His play looked nice. He was, his technique was textbook. You know, he, on, on, on a couple of those pass breakups, you know, he had the one on the sideline where a lot of times a young, a young cornerback will get called for a penalty there because they forget to get their head around. They know the ball's coming. They, they watch the receiver reach up for the ball. 
and they don't think to make sure they're looking back at it because then you can have a little contact. If you're making a play on the ball, you're looking back, you reach up, you can do that. Textbook, the play in the end zone, textbook. Thomas Graham, I mean, a lot of people on, on social media and, and analysts are complaining because, well, why hasn't he played sooner? He should have played much sooner. He wasn't very good in camp. He opted out of the last season. Maybe he just wasn't ready. You know, Adam Hogue had a nice article today. Um, he writes for WGN, I believe. And uh, he said, why not give the coaching staff credit for developing him? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the, the balance part of it is, yeah, we could look at the negative side and say, hey, you know, Nagy sucks because this guy should have been playing. Well, maybe he wasn't ready. And, you know, maybe he probably could have played a couple weeks ago. But the fact that they got him from a, a player who was cut, went through waivers, no one wanted, back to the practice squad. And now here he is, you know, one of uh, Pro Football Focus's best ever uh, debuts. You never know when the light bulb goes on, you know. Exactly. You, you never really know when it clicks for a guy. It could have happened a few weeks ago. It could have happened, you know, in September, right? Like we don't know the answer to that, but like you say, he wasn't very good in camp. He wasn't very good um, in preseason. No one had an interest in him. No one, no one claimed him. No one was going to sign him off of waivers to their active roster, right? Like he was, he was never protected, never protected. He could have been signed at any point. Right. So he makes his debut. He looks great. And Awesome. Like, let, do we have a guy Did you know, did we, do we have a player that could compete for a starting role next year? Let's see what happens in the last three games. That's great. He's a fresh body, right? He's making his first start. Like you say, a lot of his technique stuff was, was, was right. Exactly where he wanted to be. I was really impressed. He kind of dropped in a zone cousins dropped. uh, He kind of dumped the ball off and he, I mean, he played downhill and he stuck the guy, you know, short gain. I was really impressed with that. I mean, he's just a young player, just flowing with the, you know, just look natural, look like he'd been doing it for years, right? Flowing with the defense, you know, played downhill, made a stick, it just looked confident as a tackler. I'm like, okay, like that, that's great, right? I thought that this Bears defense was going to get killed with, oh, yeah. with, with their secondary being all backup players and players seeing their first action. I thought Kirk Cousins, who'd been pretty hot, coming into this. I know he doesn't has, has a bad record in prime time. I know he hasn't played well in soldier field. I know all those things, but I mean, he was rolling and he came into this thing playing a backup secondary. I'm like, we're, he's going to roll up 400 yards and Kindle, he finished, build or like 80 something yards, yeah. right? Like he had nothing. Seven, yeah. It was, it was horrible. It was they horrible. hit him. They hit yeah. him. And a lot of that was Thomas Graham. Every time he went to Thomas Graham, Thomas Graham made him look silly. I think Thomas Graham may have actually shadowed Jefferson a little bit. I'm not sure. I'm not sure he did it the whole game, but uh, I know at some point I saw someone on Twitter say that uh, they thought Graham was actually shadowing him a little bit. I don't think it took him to the slot, but I know he took him a little bit. And you know, Vildor, Marquis Christian, Tease Tabor, you know, Dion Bush. This is the the five that was out there, and I'm like you. I mean, it's funny. I, I play a, a dynasty football league and. I started Kirk Cousins this week. I never, I never started him. He's my backup. And I'm like, oh, he, he's going to put up a ton of points. Luckily, I didn't need it. So I was still able to beat uh, Robert Schmitz's team this week for the playoffs. So, <laughs> so that, that's good. So, yeah. I, I was really impressed. And, and like you said, you got career special teamers and backups and rookies that have, haven't even seen the field yet playing. And they played really well. They have to be pretty proud of themselves. I, on, yeah, they gave up two touchdown passes. 
there was one that was a miscommunication and Jeff, Justin Jefferson is going to get his. And honestly, yeah. he didn't get his last night. Yeah, Like he, he got a touchdown, but he did not get, I, I don't know what it was like 40 yards or something yeah. like that. Like he, Four he did catches. not have a big game. He was targeted 10 times. And you know, when the ball came to him, the bears made plays it was weird. And, and of course the game like <clears throat> became not competitive and the Vikings just sat on it. Yeah. Right. They had no interest in, in having in t- that is so interesting of how the Vikings ran that game. Right. Because you would just think like, whatever, we're going to, we're going to keep trying to score points. We're going to try to put this one away. We'll blow them out. It's division. Like we don't care. They hid cousins. They're like, Nope, we're not going to do this. You know, cause he made that bad throw where he just like, I don't know, just threw it to the middle of the field. Cause he thought he was going to get a penalty. Yeah. And like, I just, I just think they just don't trust Kirk Cousins. This is why it's not a good situation in Minnesota. Well, it's funny because the last time the Bears played the Vikings, the last game of the year was something on the line. It was uh, 2018. The Bears had nothing to play for. You know, at that point, the Bears were, you know, their, their playoff spot was guaranteed. The Vikings needed the win desperately. And the Vikings turtled that game. They got mm-hmm. smoked. Can you imagine if it comes down to it again this year? Bears playing spoiler. Week 17, the Vikings need that win. Kirk Cousins does Kirk Cousins stuff, and that's going to be fun. I mean, the, the, the Bears have nothing to play for. Right. But they could play spoiler here to the Vikings the last week. You know, they, like I said, they, met, they have some records are going for here against the, the Seahawks and the, uh, and the Giants. But playing spoiler, knocking the Vikings out, that'll be a nice way to end the season. Yeah, a lot of purple and gold tears on the <laughs> internet. That could lead to – that'd be great. That'd be interesting. That'd be fun. Yeah. All right, so cold bowl of porridge, the opposite end of this. Who are you handing that to? We talked on him earlier, and I wanted to make sure. I wasn't sure we were going to talk about the top, so I wanted to make sure I had a little time to talk about here. That's Jermaine Effetti. Um, and it's funny because he this is his first game back off the injured reserve stint. You know, so he probably was going to be rusty. But I thought he played a pretty good game. But then he does that stupid thing where he gets <laughs> so pissed off at his teammate. And he, I mean, he embarrassed him. That's what yeah. he did. He, he, it was yeah. embarrassing how, how, how upset he was that the rookie got a penalty. I said, I had to make sure I had some point to call him out. That's why I had in my notes here to say something. Jermaine Effetti, man, what are you doing? Come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> like, can you imagine the, the film room? If you're in there with the old line, be uncomfortable. Juan Castillo sitting there with his guys and, you know, Tevin Jacob gets up and gets in the face of the Vikings and, you know, his teammates. Yeah. Look at our guy. And here comes Effetti pushing and shoving him and like oh my god I, I i hope someone says something to him you know i don't want him to be embarrassed i think you know you don't say that in front of the group but hey man that's that was not the right way to go about that there's other ways you could have handled that the sentiment was right you know calm the rookie down right but not not like that it's Terrible. almost like you gotta kind of get up to jenkins just kind of laugh chuckle like all right all right yeah you got it okay like let's get back you know that's your role right the, your yeah. roles are just kind of diffuse it with all right you maybe you proved your point come on come on but like a lecture like you're the teacher no like no dice you get you get the cold bowl of porridge this week i put on i i, I was on twitter this week uh, earlier today with uh, with the ecdr guy he, he made a comment about that after i, I shared the clip and I, I said to him on twitter that you know i, I did some bouncing in my youth and you know, what happened there, that's how you make the thing, make a situation worse. You know, you, if you want to deescalate the situation, you don't go at them like a jackass and get all physical with them. You, you calmly go talk to them. Hey, come on, man, let's get out. Let's, you know, let's, like you said, put your arm around them, walk them to the side, talk to them. 
that's not the time or the place. He just cost us 15 yards. Come on, guy. Let's, let's learn from this. You know, let's, let's get him back. But what he did, I, I don't know how I would react if it was my teammate doing that to me. Actually, I, I would have probably punched him in the face. Is what I would have thought. Yeah, I probably would have. I probably would have no, freaked out because that was that was pretty bad. I bartended at college, so we're, we'll have to have some bartender <laughs> bouncer stories. Okay, at some point. nice, nice. Um, all right, so my my cold bowl of porridge is I'm I'm pour I'm dishing it out to the Monday Night Football booth. Uh, I I I do not understand this booth. I do not like them. I don't enjoy listening to them. The conversation that they were having about the offensive line, like. Every single piece of what they said, I was like, I don't think so. Like none of it, right? Like they were saying, Sam must for playing solid football. Okay. Uh, they were saying that they had to keep that interior group together, which like, I like Daniels. I would like to see him come back. Yeah. Right. But Cody Whitehair has been playing pretty bad football this year. Um, and, but they're saying well, that's the core and you got to figure out the tackles. And then they're saying, well, Ryan Pace had invested so much money and capital into this offensive line. It's like, no, that's, I mean, just factually not true. Like, what are you even talking about? And then they bring on weak stadium deep dish and talk <laughs> about it like it's actual deep dish. Like, yeah. what are you doing? Like, that's not real. And then where the hell are the Mannings? They have ducked the Bears twice yeah. on Manning cast. They, they take off Bears games. Why? Why are they ducking us? So they get cold bowls of porridge all the way around. Brian Greasy, eat that cold bowl of porridge. Like, I do not understand what you're talking about half the time. You might be the I, former Brian bear. Like, I want to give you, yeah. a, but like, wow, yeah, like rough. bad analysts. So didn't they, they call get, Thomas like, Graham Robert several times too? Robert Graham definitely did that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <Yes. laughs> you know, as far yeah. as the Manning, Manning cast goes, honestly, I've watched a few times. I can't get into it. You know, I, I just, for whatever reason, I can't get into it, but I understand it's very popular. Why doesn't ESPN have like a backup Manning cast group, like two other guys? You could have anybody in, in those, in that spot. If it's getting good ratings for them, you know, how about, how about Marshawn Lynch and someone else? I mean, someone else in those, in those seats would probably be a fun thing for that, for viewers that, that want that, that different game. I think that's something that ESPN is dropping the ball on. I do think that that's the future of football. Yeah. is that you, you're going to have multiple options on what your audio is. And yeah. I think that there are going to be people, there are going to be roles for people that understand analytics and are going to be able to talk, you know, they're going to have little charts up to be able to show like, Hey man, 65%, you know, go, go for it here. Right. There's going to be that because you have such a huge audience that can be segmented out. And mm -hmm. if you can, if you can enhance the, viewing experience at home in any kind of way, you can sell more advertising, right? You can still sell your main advertising on the main feed. Maybe you can sell some specific advertising with some of these niche things. If you can do that, if you can make more money, you can open up a pathway to make more money, then that, that will open up these opportunities to enhance the game experience with different audio feeds. Why not? Why not do this? You know, it is an untapped resource. The Mannings are breaking through that's great. But that shouldn't be the only, it shouldn't be the only network doing it. And it shouldn't be the only type of approach. It shouldn't just be, you know, charismatic former stars that are going to be hall of famers yeah. or, you know, like that, that's, that's one approach. That's fine. But what about, you know, I watched a game with an audio feed of, uh, uh, Charles Davis and, um, yeah, you know, the, the, the move the sticks podcast guy, Daniel Jeremiah. Right? Okay. Yeah. They, they did one last year and they, 
they didn't know what they were doing. And it was kind of awkward at times. And they were like, oh, Robert Mays is watching us today. That's yeah. cool. Thanks, Robert. You know, and it's like, all right, guys, maybe let's focus on, you know, telling, yeah. you know, saying, like, hey, remember when he was, the, the, you know, he's come a long ways. He's, this is how he's progressing as a player, you know, but that was just one game. Like they would probably eventually find their niche. And so I think that that's the future. I, I really do. I think it's going to be interesting and, and I'm all for it. I know personally, I would love to watch like the, the Titans versus Jaguars with like Kevin Hart and Snoop Dogg. I think that would be fun. I mean, that's, that's, there was some stuff with the Olympics, I think. Uh, and it was, kind oh, of yeah. that was hilarious. I it mean, I'm, you know, it's just, you know, something different. And then I know like with college, uh, the bowl games, sometimes they'll have like a coach cast. Yeah. And, and, and I, I kind of go back and forth cause you know, I can only take so much of, of certain things and it's like, you know, it's, it's just, like you said, it's options, you know, give the viewer more options and the more, the better, especially once there's what 12 ESPN. So let's, let's put them all right. out there. Yeah. Right. And, you know, if, if you're looking for somebody to kind of be able to navigate that math and the football part of it, you know, ESPN, let me know. I'm available. This, you know, this was a rough week for analytics, though. I should we talk about that? I mean, we can. I mean, it's 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 that's right up your alley. Let me let me say this. As someone who feels like they have a pretty good sense of the football side of it and the football guy side of it and someone who is like classically trained in math and science right um and feel like they can understand and navigate the math part of it what what i don't think is being talked about enough is that the analytics are a tool and if you have more tools in your toolbox you can build more things and you can build more things better so if you understand the analytics and that and that information can help you make decisions that's going to make you a better football coach overall, because there are blind spots. There are things that you can't calculate in real time. There are things that your gut is just simply going to be wrong about. And you're going to look at it, you know, on Tuesday and you're going to be like, Oh yeah. Okay. I probably should have gone for it on fourth down there. That's what Matt Nagy did the other week. Right. Like he admitted in the press conference, yeah, if I had it back, I would have gone for it. Right. Well, analytics kind of takes that guesswork out of it. They're they're And they're going to tell you like, Hey, the math, the math really supports you going for it here, or eh, it's kind of 50-50, right? And you can use that information to help make more informed decisions. That's what it is. Now, that that all of this analytics stuff happens, you know, it's on paper. And that's why people don't like, well, you know, football's not played on paper. Completely true. Completely true. And that off-season moves, we have people that we like and respect that talk about things in a pure analytic standpoint. I wouldn't pay this guy. I'd trade this guy, right? They're not taking into account what that guy means for the locker room. They're not thinking about it from how you build a core and how you build around that, what his personality is. That's the kind of stuff that the football people know about, right? But And you can use that information to say like, well, you know what? Running backs, you can probably get them in the draft. You know, maybe we won't pay them. And you're like, yeah, but this guy is special and he's special here. And that's why we can justify it. That's still an an okay answer for me, right? You you have a plan and it has to make some sense. You have to be able to to sell me on what your plan is, whether it's in the game, whether it's in the off season. Analytics make you better because you understand that it's more supported by historical trends and historical fact, but it's not the be all end all. And so both, if you are on either pole, you are wrong. Yep. You think that analytics aren't, aren't useful at all and that they're always wrong and like screw them. You're wrong. If you're the guy that thinks that that football's played on paper, you are wrong. 
And so it is, it's in the middle and that's not getting talked about enough. It's the two, it's two sides on the poles that are dominating all the oxygen. I'm not sure who said it, but the, the quote going around social media all week was analytics never threw a block. You know, I'm like, well, true, okay. I guess. yeah, I guess, but it's like, <laughs> actually you know, true. like, like, why would you just like, we talked about it last week because of some of the stuff that was going on with the, with the CBS crew, just bashing. It's like, how, how do you not at this point with all the data is there, you know, all the data is right in front of you. How do you still say, I don't believe it. I'm going to do my own research. It's one of those, I guess. I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know. I, that's where I'm at. If you're on either poll, you're wrong. If yeah. you understand that it's, it's information makes you better. Um, you're right. And that that's where I'm at with it. So um, I, I do, I talk about that in my column this week. So I was, nice. I nice. had, I had kind of thought about how to talk about that. So let's, let's talk about the just right. Who do you have? For the just right, for me, I'm going with uh, Roquan Smith on this one. Okay. Um, again, he has a hamstring injury. He's been it's been lingering with him for a few weeks now. He had to sit out uh, at the end of the the last couple of games. He couldn't finish, um, but he's out there again. And you know, this week he was snubbed for the Pro Bowl. And if you look at the guys that made it ahead of him, they're worthy, you know. But I think Roquan Smith deserves a spot there. You know, ten more tackles. Uh, he was all over the place in the beginning of that game. You know, he's up to 140 tackles in the season. That's a new career high, and it's only 14 games long. So he is just playing at a, at a level where, you know, this is the guy we get every week. He's just all over the field. You know, he's great against the run. He's great against the pass. You know, I think he may make the Pro Bowl because this year they're actually playing it. So we're going to probably get some guys that, that opt out because of the, the whatever reason, health or injury or, or they're playing in, in the, in these, in this uh, uh, Super Bowl the following week. So Roquan may make it as an alternate, but still Roquan Smith is just a contract year. I, I, I love to see him back. I hope he's back. Whoever the new regime is. Gotta oh, yeah. happen. Gotta they, happen. It gotta happen. Um, so he, he's probably picked up his fifth year option though, right? They did pick up the fifth year option. So uh, that's, that's there, but Let's lock him up. Let's, you know, sign yep. him to a long-term deal. He's young, you know, bring, bring next year's cap it down a little bit with a long-term extension. I just think he's a guy, I mean, he's a leader. I mean, he's, yeah. he, he is that he is now, I don't know if we want to say he's the face of the defense. Cause you still have Mac on there, but, but man, it's, it's pretty close. Roquan's pretty damn good football player. Uh, inside linebacker, Chicago bears. Yeah. Got to protect that. Well, I want to talk about a guy. Uh, this is a just right bull, but it's, it's, it's just right. in that, he could have gotten a hot bowl with Porridge, but it is just right because I wanted to make sure we talked about him. That's Akeem Hicks. Nice. So uh, I don't know how to say this guy's last name. Mark Grote? Mark uh, Grody. 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 Yeah, yeah. So at Mark Grody Sports, he had a tweet. So it's not the Twitter section, but I wanted to bring it up too. So he says, Bears defensive lineman Akeem Hicks told me, I just want to play good football and say goodbye to Chicago in the right way. He had two sacks. He, he was just looking dominant and just throwing people around. He's got football left in him yeah. and he's got football left in him. And so I, I saw that you had tweeted out, like, I know it doesn't make sense, but I want, I want Hicks to resign again, those analytic type people that yeah. we know and respect. They say, no, absolutely not. Do not sign Akeem Hicks to anything. Um, you know, he, he's, he's too old. He's broken, like whatever. And I'm like, uh, that made me sad. Like that made me sad that he's, he's already packing his bags out of Chicago because he's meant a lot to this franchise. 
he was he was named a top 100 player on Windy City Gridiron's top 100 when we did the 100 year show. That was a couple of years ago, right? Um, he is a guy that has made his mark on this franchise. And if he wants to continue to play football, which he should because he still has it in him, you can tell. And he is willing to take up a, a deal that's, you know, maybe le- certainly less than what he has been making, but wants to continue to stay in Chicago. I would love to see him come back. I would absolutely love to see him come back. I don't know if it'll happen. A new regime is going to come in and want to make their mark. But in a lot of ways, this is Ryan Pace's greatest success was bringing in oh, yeah. picks. Third round draft pick back in the day. And, you know, Saints, Patriots for a year. And, you know, he came when, when he was signed by the Bears. It was what a, a five million dollar deal just for a, a couple of years. It wasn't much at all. And, and yeah, no one expected this guy. I mean, but from day one, he was this guy. I mean, he just was, you know, a dominant force inside. And like, like you said, it's, you know, he's 32 now, I think he is. And, you know, it's like, is he injury prone or is it just a fluke? It's hard to say. I mean, he was pretty healthy for most of his career. And then the last couple of years, a tweak here, a tweak there. This year it was a groin, you know, last year it was a dislocated elbow that happened on a really fluky injury. Does that mean he's injury prone because someone's helmet hit him in the exact right spot to have his elbow pop out to me. That's not injury prone. That's just bad luck. The groin, maybe, maybe the soft the tissue injury is starting to creep up on him. Maybe that's what you have to think about now, but man, like you said, if the price is right, what he means to the franchise, to the locker room. And then plus on the field, I mean, if you can, if you can re-sign him, you're only playing him 50, you know, 50% of the snaps. Cause he is a, a, a guy on the in, inside of the D line, you know, they don't play a lot of snaps anyway. And the guy at his age should be scaled back anyway. Make it happen. Yeah. So make it happen, new GM, whoever you are. Cross <laughs> your fingers. Make it a priority. Say, hey, hey, hey. Uh, we want to come in and talk. Don't don't pack your bags yet. So um, let's let's close things up with the fields report. We we talked about Justin already a little bit. Numbers were fine. Uh, you know, pretty good in, in a lot of ways. Completed two thirds of his passes, twenty six of thirty nine, and two hundred eighty five yards. He had one touchdown that was at the closing gun. Uh, good pass, right? Like, I mean, those yeah. nice little play there. Could have had a second one. Mooney's, uh, you know, kind of fell out of bounds at the same time. Mooney's got to get that other foot. I know it's a tough catch, but he's he's got to drag that other foot. He's got to, you know, bang that other foot home. Um, had a fumble. That can't happen. Like Two fumbles. He lost one. He, he actually had two. So he's uh, now back leading the league in fumbles. Right. That's something he's obviously going to have to work on. Uh, the one that they lost in the open field, that that's a, that's a tough one. That one just can't happen. Um, took a couple of sacks that he didn't need to. I don't know what sack watch is going to look like this week, but just on first blush, it looked to me like he took a couple that he shouldn't have. Um, I don't want to say he regressed in that manner, but he has been improving in that. Um, I also want to say Mike Zimmer's pretty good about calling third yeah. down defense, right? Like Mike Zimmer's pretty good about bringing exotic rushes. He probably saw stuff he hadn't seen before because uh, that's what Mike Zimmer does. And so I'm not, I'm not trying to give him an excuse. I'm just saying quarterbacks go through learning curves. This was another one to add to him, uh, you know, his, uh, his learning and development here. So I, I thought overall, again, though, he, he seems to be on an upward trajectory. He looks like he's improving. Um, he's playing some pretty good football. I know points did not get put on the board, but he is, seems to me like he's starting to play better and better as we progress through the season. Five red zone trips, just one field goal to show for it. At the end of the day, you got to put up points and he didn't do it. And I understand that part of the criticism, 
but I, I watched the same game you watched because I thought he played pretty good football. I mean, five or six drops, you know, what does that do to the numbers? Uh, you mentioned yeah. the one to Mooney, Huge. you know, there was one to Jimmy Graham. It would have been a really tough catch for Jimmy Graham in the end zone, but you know, he makes those catches sometimes. And, you know, there was several others where you're like, man, if, if that's a catch and, you know, again, it's, it's ifs, 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 you know, but sure. But um, I thought he played pretty good, but of course, you know, social media, the analysts, you know, you, you see them online or on ESPN. Some of them are just are criticizing. And it's like, I, I didn't watch the same game as these guys did because I see a Justin Fields that is getting better. You know what? Yes. Like you said, the sacks were on him. Terrible decisions. He had one where he went backwards. He had the one where he tried to jump pass on a screen. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, you know, you can't do that. You know, the, the two fumbles can't happen. You know, uh, his sliding needs some work. You know, they talk about it on the broadcast. He keeps his head up, you know, and we've seen him now a couple of times get blasted like that. You know, it's, it's hard for the defender to pull off. So if you're going to slide, get your ass down and slide, you know, right. don't keep any surface area for a defender to come through and clip you on the way out. You know, even if the guy would have jumped over him, the knee might clip him in the head. So get down, you know, get down there and, and you know, protect yourself. So he has to work on some things but he, he looks good in other aspects. And anyone that says at this point that he sucks or he's a bust, they're just looking for a reason to be critical. You know, they're trying to fit their previous notion that Justin Fields is a typical Ohio state guy who's going to suck. And they have their other reasons for wanting to bash him. And that's what's happening with some of these guys. And, and, and you can see it, you know, who these guys are that are just saying that it's like, come on guys, H- how do you watch him in this offense brian perez he writes for a draft network he had a tweet a couple days ago i thought it was great how do you realize that this offense is historically garbage with matt Nagy, with what's happening the o-line pass pro and then you're also going to say field sucks you know what i mean fields is doing pretty good considering what's happening around him and we've been talking about all year he's a rookie quarterback and he didn't get he did not get a lot of reps in camp we were at camp he was not getting starter reps at camp right they they came into the year Matt Nagy really wanted to replicate that Patrick Mahomes model because and I will maybe this is obvious but he would have gotten more time if if he would have been able to pull that model off because he said well now we brought this guy along and we're ready to start let me get another year to start fields right he was not able to do that because Andy Dalton got hurt Fields is pressed in a service. He's not ready because he had, didn't have a lot of reps. He certainly didn't have reps with starters. He didn't have a connection with those guys, right? When we were at camp, I don't think he threw a ball to, to Allen Robinson. No, no. And, 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 you know, he threw a ball to Mooney. Mooney was kind of playing, you know, with him a little bit, right? Well, you could tell. You could tell that he, he didn't know how to – he didn't have the timing down with, with Allen Robinson. And it just never came, right? It, really, it just it hasn't come all year. And so – I don't know, man. All this stuff is context. All this stuff is context to figure this out. I'd like to dive in, you know, a little bit more about what happened with Trevor Lawrence. So we'll be saying Trevor Lawrence is bad and that he's worthless. Now he was Andrew Luck. He was the like, Hey, this is the best prospect that we've had forever. And he's terrible. He's doing worse than fields. Uh, His numbers are worse than fields, right? Zach Wilson. Are we giving up on Zach Wilson? Right. Are we giving up on the number two pick as well? Because he's been, he's been terrible. He's been worse than those other two guys. Right. So what are we talking about here? Like, stop it. It's a, it's a rookie quarterback in a bad situation. You're going to have improvement, you know, next year from a lot of these guys, a lot of these guys are going to look better with the year under their belt. 
Well, that's what happens with rookie quarterbacks a lot. They're not all Justin Herbert. They're not all going to come in and just light it on fire. You know, Josh Allen was terrible his rookie year, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. just it, it, this ha- it happens. It, it, this is a really hard sport to learn. And you come in with some things that you do well. That's why you got drafted. And you got some things that you're not. And, and you have to work on them. I think we kind of know what that is now. I think we knew at the beginning of the year, but we definitely know now. And I think we've seen some growth. And there's a lot more to go and it's fun. This is why we do this. This, We're going to continue to live the the Justin Fields life and continue to live the Fields report because this is what the franchise is now. The franchise is invested in Justin Fields as their future. Like I said, I I liked the game last night. I I was fine watching it happen. I knew the Bears had no chance. You know, even though the game was was fairly close most most of the way through, I knew they were not going to win that game. But watching Justin Fields make throws, watching him scramble, do his thing, watching Tevin Jenkins do his thing, you know, Thomas Graham look good. Um, that was exciting as, as a fan. That was from my perspective because, like I said, going in, I, I did not expect to win. I looked at it for certain players and, you know, Akeem Hicks, you know, Robert Quinn, you know, I'm watching my, my favorite players play football. And that's what I took out of that game. And that's what I'll take out of these last three games of the year. Yep, we got three left. Uh, good segue there. So we'll, we'll we'll close it there. We'll get out of here. But we got three of these left. We, we've got a game against uh, Seattle. We've got uh, the Giants, and we've got the Vikings again. So we'll be here for those. We will continue this this uh, podcast through through the end of the year. Make sure you're checking out the other podcasts. A lot of great stuff going on. Obviously, Bill Zimmerman's always bringing on great guests. Uh, you can listen to Bears Over Beers with me and AJ Snyder. You know that'll be out Thursday night, uh, Friday morning uh, time frame for you there. Uh, Robert Schmitz is always recapping games and of course you've got T-Formation conversation um, at the end of the week as well so make sure you're checking out the podcast make sure you're checking out the website always a lot of good stuff the most up-to-date and uh, relevant Bears information is always posted there we post these on YouTube if you're already watching that great if not head on over there check us out you can see what we look like you can see all my bear stuff behind me you can see that I wear a bear's new bears hat or a different bears hat every week right it's fun. Uh, check us out there. Subscribe, like, comment, all that kind of fun stuff. Anything else you'd like to add? Uh, no, that's good. Let's get the hell out of here. All right, man. Another loss, but next week, uh, I have a feeling we might have more rosy uh, context to the next game. I think I think it's going to go a little better. So nice. uh, join us next week. We'll see you next time. Until then, bear down. <laughs> Support for this show comes from Wix Studio. Designers and devs, you might be able to do your thing better on Wix Studio, a web platform with everything you need to deliver bespoke sites hyper-efficiently. Design teams get a ton of smart features that can take the grind out of web creation without it costing per-pixel control. Dev teams, you get a zero-setup, developer-first environment combined with an AI code assistant and your preferred IDE for rapid deployment. Search Wix Studio today to explore the full range of features. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on Home mom? <laughs> no. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. 
Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.